It's the week before Thanksgiving, and whether you're feeling the frenzy or settling back and comfortably snoring like my good French bulldog, Mr. Bruno, plenty of comic books await just beyond that doorway into the inner dimension. You know, the one that brings us to the spinner rack. If you didn't know it, you just stumbled there. I'm your host, Seth Singleton. And you're standing before, well, the DC Comics News Spinner Rack, where each and every week I pick my top five books from DC Comics, share them with you, give some reasons, maybe some validations, mostly my opinion. And when it's all said and done, you have five other books to consider, if you hadn't already, to read this week from DC Comics. This is DC Comics New Spinner Rack number 34. Without any further delay, let's get started. For my first book, I went ahead and picked up and decided it was the perfect start. And I'm talking about Superman's Pal, Jimmy Olsen, issue number 5. Now, I've enjoyed this title immensely. I've featured it more than once on the Spinner Rack. And it is... No coincidence that the winning combination of Matt Fraction writing and Steve Lieber providing the art makes for quite the perfect pair. Now, they're not alone in this effort. Nathan Fairbairn providing the colors, Clayton Cowles with the letters, and Lieber and Fairbairn with the original cover, with Ben Oliver providing the variant cover, make this a complete package, and one that I always enjoy opening because despite what's come before there's always the attempt and it's almost always a success to achieve beyond what's expected to show a different take offer a lot of fun for me and it starts out with batman's secret alias bruce wayne and the concept that begins with fun, sexy, cool date night, changes rather dramatically when it becomes an issue that Jimmy Olsen sticks his foot into. In true classic Jimmy form, he proceeds to get on Batman's bad side. I think just about everybody ends up there at some point, but for Jimmy, it definitely seems to be a serious bone of contention one that afflicts him throughout the issue, even as his alter ego, Timmy. If you've been keeping up, you're familiar with why Timmy is here and Jimmy is not, or at least not in the context to which we've known him. Jimmy Olsen actually just had his funeral, which was interrupted by the appearance of a scientist and the discovery that Jimmy's body was not in the coffin, that in reality... It was a synthetic material designed to appear like human flesh. This leads Clark, Lois, and a number of those in attendance, curious, if not perplexed or perturbed, about this development. And along the way, Timmy, the alter ego of Jimmy, takes advantage of the friction with Batman and decides to make it his number one goal to get Batman's attention. There's a series of wildly experimental, 
or just wildly silly methods for pulling this off, including how many Jokers can you fit into a specific area before Batman comes calling. The best part is, in at least two different instances, Batman proves he's got quite the sense of humor, and this is a nice break of levity from some of the confusion that's been going on in Jimmy's life, but enough details are sprinkled in to keep that main story arc going, which is why is someone trying to kill Jimmy? What does this have to do with his past, his family, and their crossing of paths with the Luthers of the past and the present? And where's this all going? Number five takes us on a great journey. It's a great discovery. And when you've got a complete package, you're generally going to find top marks all around. My pleasure to start out this episode, DC Comics News Spinner Rack, with a five out of five for Jimmy Olsen, number five. Now my second choice for this episode of DC Comics News Spinner Rack is Justice League number 36. Written by Scott Snyder, this features a combination of art, Francis Monopol providing pages 1 through 13 and pages 18 through 20, and Howard Porter providing pages 14 through 17. Colors were by Hi-Fi, letters by Tom Napolitano, with Francis Manipal providing the cover, and Tyler Kirkham and Sabine Rich offering up the variant cover. If you've been following along in any way with the Justice League storyline, you're familiar with how closely it ties into the concept of Doom and the Year of the Villain story that seems to have overtaken all of the DC Universe, maybe with the exception of Harley Quinn. Even then, the influence is felt, even if it's just to point out a resistance to that influence. All being said, in this Part 7 of the Justice Doom War, Things are not looking good. The tide has turned. The heroes are struggling and deciding to make a final stand, knowing that the odds are not in their favor, that they most likely won't survive, and trying to find a way to make that pronouncement to the rest of the heroes, and yet still make it something that's encouraging enough to get them up and willing to give it their all while the three main of Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman knows that they really don't have any plan to win. The best they can do is make a plan to fight. While that's one compelling element, it's not the only one facing the team. The past and the future have come to join. Justice Legion A, the Justice Society, all through the connection of the Starmen, from each group, or the star man from each group. But Shaira is still out there in space with her son Shane and under attack from the Anti-Monitor. And the biggest twist probably has to be the revelation that despite all of the promises, Perpetua has been making her own play and even Lex Luthor appears surprised by her decision 
to use the gifts she's given to certain members of the group and put them to use for her means, even if it goes against what their will might be. There's a test of loyalty here where the villains who are put to task by Perpetua call out to Lex Luthor for help. And while he's torn in his desire to help or protect them or be as loyal, there's also a moment when Perpetua is able to sway that distraction and point out what his future is, one that's much more glorious than theirs, and quickly feeds into his selfish desire to be the greatest, be the best, or if nothing else, play the largest role in the downfall of the heroes. It's a really nice moment that I believe is setting the stages for plot twists, turns, and or developments in the upcoming issues. And given we're at 36 and we're only 13 away now from issue number 50, a slow burn could be exactly what this storyline needs to get us to that point. Who knows? Maybe it'll end sooner than that. But right now, the heroes are about to step into a perhaps last stand. And the villains, while committed through the concentrated will of Perpetua, are perhaps not as united as they once were. How that will play out for the rest of this story, I think, will make for some really interesting developments. One of the reasons why Justice League continues to make the spinner rack, one of the reasons why I'm happy to give this great creative team a solid 5 out of 5 on this book, and looking forward to the next chapter. With my second book out of the way, it's time for us to take a quick break. Fill you in with some information, some ads, and for the most part, a few extra snarbles from my buddy there, Bruno. We'll be right back with snarbles, stories, and my final three choices for episode number 34 of the DC Comics News Spinner Rack. I'm your host, Seth Singleton. Thanks for staying with me. We'll be right back after these messages. Hi, everyone. I'm here to tell you about the DC Comics News Podcast, here every week to talk everything DC. Movies, TV, comics, and everything in between. But don't just take my word for it. Here are a couple of our sponsors. Listen to the DC Comics News Podcast. It's audio justice. (laughs) No, no, no. It's audio chaos. These wackos are crazier than I am. Well, maybe you're both right. Regardless, you can catch us on every kind of podcast platform. Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and everywhere you find great podcasts. So, um, can I go now? Let him go. He did everything you asked. (laughs) No. First, there was the DC Comics News Podcast. Then came the Spinner Rack. And now, the third show brought to you by the guys that brought you all that other stuff I just mentioned. I Am The Knight. A story about the stories. A show celebrating Batman, the animated series. Week by week, episode by episode. 
just when you thought it was safe to put on a pair of headphones. I am the night. Thank you for your patience, for sticking around through those ads, and coming back for episode number 34 of the DC Comics News Spinner Rack. I'm your host, Seth Singleton. If you can hear a little noise in the background, Bruno has pulled himself out from under the covers. I think it's because the heater came on. With these cooler temperatures, well, he's just going to crave that heater, and the snores might get a little bit louder. Thanks for your understanding. I'm sure he appreciates it too, but he's such a sweet, selfish little guy, he probably wasn't thinking about you or me. I'm thinking about the fact that we've got three great books to cover before we close up this episode of DC Comics New Spinner Rack. For my third choice, I chose The Question, The Deaths of Vic Sage, a black label title from DC Comics, written by Jeff Lemire, pencils by Dennis Cohen, inks by Bill Sinkowitz, colors by Chris Sotomayor, and letters by Willie Schubert. Cover by Cowan, Sinkowitz, and Sotomayor, with the variant cover by Jeff Lemire and Marcelo Maiolo. I'm a huge fan of the question. I love the take that's used for Rorschach in The Watchmen. I love the version of the question who appeared in the Justice League cartoon. I really love the story of Vic Sage passing his mantle to Rene Montoya in the 52 series. And overall, Vic Sage is one of those characters who embodies the mystery that seems to underlie everything about DC Universe, DC Comics Universe, and all of the layers that exist in between. Whether it's about the idea of the multiverse, or whether it's about who's really pulling the strings and why. In this story, Vic faces a mystery that has more to do with himself and the underlying threads of a potential conspiracy regarding his identity and his present as well as his past. It all starts with finding a mass grave. Among them, person wearing a mask just like his. We get the chance to see some classic question characters like Tot and Richard the Dragon, and then we have the opportunity to travel into the mind, spirit, and metaphysical of Vic Sage. With that introduction, I feel that this series will not only paint a picture of who we think the question is, but through that painting and the discovery of this story, wind us down a twisting road that will reveal just how many ways we're all correct when it comes to the question, and how many others were not wrong, we're just misinformed. This was a really perfect package for me. I thought the creative team did a great job of capturing the tone, the spirit, and the message of the question. It simply worked from the dialogue 
to the pencils, from the inks to the colors, the letters, and the characters. For me, it was a pleasure to put the question the deaths of Vic Sage, book one, in slot number three for the DC Comics new spinner rack, and also to give it a solid five out of five. I'm looking forward to hearing your scores, and of course stick around to the end, where I'll give you all the ways that you can share them with me, the rest of the team, and the internet at large. Moving into my fourth choice for the DC Comics News Spinner Rack is Batman number 83. In City of Bane, part number 9, writer Tom King and artist Mikhail Yannin team with Jordi Belair on colors, Clayton Cowles on letters, and Yannin and Belair on the cover with Francesco Matina providing the very cover. If my mentioning Batman and that list of names sounds familiar, it's because this creative team has produced some amazing work that is regularly featured on the Spinner Rack. Issue number 83 is no less in quality, if not greater in immensity for the story that it's telling. In many ways, everything that's occurred since issue number 77 has led to the confrontation that opens this book. And a really lovely letter from a mentor to an apprentice, from a guiding hand to a ward to a love letter. And the opening of it, the inclusion of some really wonderful poetry, and the dark and just sad and almost longing quality of the opening pages, despite the finery and the wealth that's on display, the sadness overshadows it, and it makes the environment feel haunted and tragic. But through it is a process of accepting, resolving, and then moving forward. And a question, how much can be taken away from Batman before he's willing to stop? The answer is in the final pages of this issue, and something that I simply don't have either the heart or the right to spoil for you. Which one it is? Well, sometimes it's so early when I'm recording, I try and avoid those types of intellectual questions. I simply don't have the capacity when my brain has not had enough caffeine. What I will say is, there's a reason why 83 is a solid 5 out of 5. This creative team is one part, but the work they produced is the equal measure for that score, and one of the reasons why it's so easy for me to continue to put this book on the spinner rack. In about two more issues, the creative team will change hands, and I'm curious to see how often this book will continue to make it back on the rack. That was my fourth choice, a solid 5 out of 5 for Batman number 83. Let's move right into number 5. Now for that fifth and final choice, I decided to go with Flash Forward, issue number 3. The ongoing story telling what happened to Wally West 
after the events of Heroes in Crisis? And how is this forward momentum going to redeem his past? It's been a really interesting approach with Wally traveling through planets that have been infected by the dark multiverse energies, charged in his quest by Tempest Fugonaut, the guardian of the gateway between the dark multiverse and the positive multiverse. And we open on Earth-43, in the city which was formerly known as Gotham, on a planet that is overrun by vampires. And many of the superheroes we know and love are among them. Superman, Batman, most of the Justice League. And yet fighting the good fight and doing their best to get in the way are people like Roy, previously known as Red Arrow, later known as Arsenal, former member of the Titans, leader of the Outsiders, and a victim of the actions of Wally West in the Heroes in Crisis series, which is why having the two of them meet up becomes a very poignant part of not only the story, but why I picked it. Putting this issue together is Scott Lobdell with the writing, partnered with Norm Rappin, providing the art. Brett Booth, Evan Shaner, also providing art, with Shaner providing the cover, and Inyuk Lee providing the variant. Wally knows that what he's done is something he can never atone for. He caused the death of numerous young heroes like himself, and then tried to cover it up, and then was caught, and sought redemption. Through his actions with Tempest Fugonaut, he's been told he can find his way back. And part of that process is facing the consequences of what he's done. That can come in many forms, but when he's on Earth-43, running into Roy, places it in a different context than most of us will ever experience if we have to come face-to-face -face with what our actions have done or the harm they might have caused to someone else. And it's interesting because I feel in this moment the turning point for Wally is the recognition that despite the fact that he was the cause of his friend's death, the way he's been dealing with it has been about his guilt and grief. What he did, Wally. And in doing so, he's eliminated the part that made Roy who he was. The fact that Roy knows that putting on the mask is a risk is something that he needs to point out to Wally. And that when he does, reminds Wally of the fact that in his mind, Roy puts on the mask, and even when he takes it off, there's a chance he might not make it home. It's part of the deal he made, and it's the way he wants Wally to deal with what's been happening. And even though it's a parallel planet, even though this isn't the same Roy, even though they don't have the same history, the opportunity for Wally to hear what Roy is saying to him, take it to heart, 
and use it to move forward is almost as important a development in the character arc for Wally as is the news that on this planet and through his actions with Tempest Fuginot, Wally has actually become faster than he ever was. That in some way he's unlocked his potential and loosened the ties that have been holding him back. It's an impressive twist that has Wally not only developing mentally and emotionally, but also gaining an added degree of skill, talent, or just power with the increase of his speed. Wally has more lessons to learn as he travels through different Earths, but I'm intrigued by this idea that part of his redemption process is not just about understanding what he did and what he took, but recognizing how, in many ways, the people that he took it from and what it means to celebrate them after they're gone, no matter how they left, is part of what he'll need to do if he's going to ever flash forward, as the title suggests, and move on to the next stage of his career as a hero or to move on for the betterment of himself, hero or not. I don't think that's an easy thing to do in storytelling, and I think it's a great moment that really propels this series through its remaining issues and leaves me wondering how much more we can continue to see Wally grow before this series is done and what opportunities that might create for us to see him maybe standing on his own in his own issue, or at least continuing on the trajectory to one day gain that again. If you're around my age, Wally was the Flash that started out as a selfish, snot-nosed kid and eventually became worthy of taking the mantle held by Barry Allen and then exceeding it. Knowing that there's a chance to get as much of that Wally back as possible is one of the reasons you just might be seeing flash forward back on the spinner rack. But for issue number three, it was my pleasure to provide a solid five out of five for yet another book and to bring to a conclusion episode number 34 of the DC Comics News Spinner Rack. Once again, I've been your host, Seth Singleton. And a few little reminders before we close up today. If you liked what you heard and you want to hear more, all you have to do is head over to your favorite podcast platform, DC Comics News, and its podcast channels are now available on all the major podcast platforms, whether it's Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, or Google Play. There, you can subscribe, rate, and review and never miss an episode of the DC Comics News Spinner Rack, the DC Comics News Weekly Podcast, or the newest edition, I Am The Night, by Steve J. Bray, a contributor to the DC Comics News Podcast, writer and reviewer for DC Comics News and Dark Knight News, 
and I Am the Night is his episode-by-episode breakdown of the legendary, formative Batman the Animated Series. All you have to do is subscribe to DC Comics News Podcast on your favorite podcast platform, and you'll never miss any one of these great shows. Now, if you like, or even if you don't like, something you hear on one of these episodes, you can let us know. All you have to do is head to your favorite social media channel, whether it's Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr, or YouTube, and use the at symbol with DC Comics News. Leave us your quotes, comments, questions, and more. And if you have a different score for the DC Comics News Spinner Rack, for this or any one of the episodes or issues I pick, I'd love to hear it. Tag us with the at DC Comics News little signifier with your score and a comment from me, and I'll do my best to get back to you as soon as I see it. And that's going to go ahead and bring us to a close. Looking forward to coming back to you next week, either in the midst of or hopefully recovering from Thanksgiving feasting with episode number 35. In the meantime, as always, read more comics.